0: Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. We're going to talk a little bit more about the family as a whole as we kind of hinge and turn and talk a little bit more about raising children and the dynamics of having children and the extended family as a whole and what the Bible has to say about that. And in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, is really what I'm to see is, is, is our heart. It is kind of the, the, the verse that, that kind of encompasses what we're trying to do here. And that is, in, it says here, instead speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Our goal is to become like him, and to become like what God has always intended, which is you know, to be redeemed and to be restored. To be restored to what? To the heart of God, what God intended for us to be. And whether we become all of that here in this life and how we do that in the midst of the changing culture is, is really the challenge. That's the full challenge of all of this. But, so, but we do have to turn to Scripture. And when we look at truth, the goal is to do it in love. The goal is to discover, as you've heard me say before, that we open up the bag of truth and we hold it out there and say, is there anything in there you feel like you need? No one's here to tell anybody what to do, forcing anything upon anyone. But the scripture makes it really clear that let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That if you've experienced something good that God has done, we're to, we're to tell everybody else about it. We're supposed to say, you know what? We're enjoying some really awesome things from God, and we want to tell you how that happened.
1: Sometimes when truth comes, it's, it's, it can be painful, but... As I was speaking to somebody this week that she was sharing that, you know, some of this truth is like, wow, it's, it's fresh, it's life, but it's also painful. But in that, there's, what comes right behind that should be the grace of God to know that he's the one who does the work in us. Amen? And what I love about, about his truth and, and principle is in his word is that once we've, we've partaken of it, then it's like he shows us how to apply it and that we're all, each of our families are so unique. And so different. And God is a creative God. And he gives us creativity. He gives us solutions, amen, in our situation. He gives us a brand new day today and tomorrow. It's always a reset. And so these things that we share may not fit because we're going to look at, we're not all, not all families are like the same size and shape. But his word, st- his word stands and his word is true. And he, his Holy Spirit will come in and give us the how to's, amen, amen. And that's, that's uh, the Holy Spirit's job.
0: Yep. So we've talked about already about biblical authority. We've talked about the importance of the establishment <laughs> of the word of God and how, God, how biblical authority just trickles down and it affects the family. We've talked about that. And if you want more study on that, by the way, you can go to Ephesians chapter 5, 21 through 33, and Colossians chapter 3, the, practically the whole chapter, but more definitely 18 and onward. where you can read more about God's divine order in the family. And then communication, we talked about that as well. Last week we talked about that. And as communication is really being critical to a healthy marriage. But now we want to look at the bigger picture. We, you know, and God has called us, you know, ultimately, in the heart of the family, what is the point of the family? But to, for us to experience more of the blessing of God, to experience the blessing of God, and to be a blessing to everyone around us. So when we think of fruitful and multiply, obviously we think of children. So sometimes our children are a part of our future, sometimes they're not. And uh, when Andrew and I first got married, you've heard this before and won't talk much about it, but Andrew and I, thats immediately we just said, we want to have a family, we wanted to have a fairly big family. And, uh, but then God didn't give us any children. After six years of trying, we pretty much had come to a real, a very hard place in our marriage, in our relationship, where we were just like, this was our dream, this was our heart, this was what we would hope to do, and it just wasn't happening. So we were at this place where we pretty much I, I don't know they would say that we'd given up, but we had pretty much given it over, you know. So you know, we'd given it to God to just say, Well, okay, if this is what we're supposed to be, then it's the way it is.
1: Right. And about that, I had to embrace the fact that God was calling me to something different at that in that season. Of yeah. my life. And you can apply this to really any area of your life. If you know God has spoken to you and, and you've got a desire in your heart for something and you know it's your calling and you're just burning with it, but God is not bringing it. It's like he's saying not yet because he's preparing you. He is building you. He is equipping you because I don't know where I, oh, I said this Friday night. and This is so true. This was shared with me that sometimes if you get your calling and you get your dream before you're ready, it can, it can destroy you. You won't be able to bear up under it. And especially when we're talking about fruit, exponential fruit, kingdom fruit. So we have to be ready for this. So at that point in in our lives, we just had to say, okay, God, you know, you're not doing this and we're going to trust you, right? Like the song we just sang, this mountain's not going away. So we're going to trust you. And he certainly had deepening and things to do in me for me to be ready for the calling of, of motherhood. And so I just wanted to encourage you today that when you when it seems like your plans are interrupted, just know God hasn't left. He hasn't taken away your calling. He hasn't taken away you know that destiny. He's just he's getting you ready for it. And so you have to walk through the period of waiting, which is um, which is what we did.
0: Yeah. And uh, and so really, the bigger picture here is that well, even if we're not called to have children, don't you know, have any children, maybe your children have grown up and gone, uh, you know this can still be applicable in what Andrea just shared there. You know, the the death of a vision, the disappointment that tends to come in our lives when we get something in our life that we really are hoping for. God, God is more interested in our character than he is in our fruit, by the way. And he knows that often when he gives us fruit before its time, as Andrea said, that without the foundation of character, it can be more of a detriment. It can hurt us. It can hurt others. So we're going to move on here, but when we talk about you know, having children, when children come on the scene, really everything changes. Our call and our priorities have changed dramatically. And the, biblical, uh, the Bible makes that really clear, and we'll look at a few verses that way. But the world looks at children as a convenience or a hobby. And, and that is something that it's interesting, Andrew, and you and I am talking to people over the years and how they talk about children. It's almost like they're getting a pet. You know, it's just like, hey, I'm going down to the pet store and getting a, you know, a child. I'm gonna go get me a boy, you know. And it's just, in, in so, and so, to me, I'm, I'm thinking, well, that's, that's, that's cool. I mean, I'm excited for you, but look, it's a whole lot more than that, you know. And there's, there's a lot more responsibility than just setting them outside and, you know, letting them run around and pee on the tree and all that. I mean, there's a whole lot more that is taking place, and it's tied right in to our very purpose of being on the planet, to be honest with you. And so uh, it's it's so much more than that than a convenience or a hobby. But God sees our offspring as a tremendous blessing in every way, in every way. And the Bible makes that really clear in some verses i will share, but it is in the very heart of God, and the plan of God for men and women to be blessed in the context of family. And not necessarily just with children on the scene, but the family that it creates. And so which is why it's so heartbreaking to see that the family as we know it is being torn apart. It's being devalued. It's being considered unnecessary. And so because it has come under such um, tumultuous times and and being torn apart and and, and the world just basically saying, hey, look, there's, there's no fixing this and moving on, that we have given up, and we can't give up. We cannot give up. We have to keep pushing forward and reaching for what is the heart of God.
1: We encourage couples when we're talking to them that when the kids come on the scene, as David said, y- your focus shifts. And this kind of seems hard, but I, in my spirit, I just feel like it's, you know what, it's not about me anymore. It's not about my thing anymore. It is now about what God has called me to pour in to these amazing human beings that he has given us. They are Our responsibility before, well, they're they're God's, but they are our responsibility. And so, I just wanted to throw something out to all of the moms in the room, and I know many of you have lived this, that your family, your children, are your first and foremost calling and ministry. And I looked up the word career, because I've said that often, you know, I I think God's heart is that we make our families our, our first career. And that is what that means is what you, your occupation or your profession, that you your life work, that's what career means. And I think that as moms and as dads, we need to see our families as our life work. And that is something that you don't just do one week or one month or one year. It is your life work. And that that is what you stand and, and, and are accountable before God, first and foremost, above everything else, above your, your, you know, your vocation above every other thing that you do and we're going to be looking at priorities. Yes,
0: we are. Later. Well, let's go through a couple some verses real quick and then we'll get to that. Psalm 144 verse 12. It says, "Then our sons in their youth will be like well-nurtured plants, and our daughters will be like pillars made to adorn uh, a palace." In Proverbs 22:6, "Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old" He will not depart from it. In Proverbs 1, verse 8, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. And in Psalm 128, 1 and 2, How blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. And when you shall eat of the fruit of your hands, you you will be happy, and it will be well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine within your house, your children like olive plants around your table. That's an incredible blessing right there, isn't it? And it gives you the, exa- I mean, there's so much in that last verse, but basically to say God wants to bless us, but it comes through when we walk in his ways, amen? When we walk in his ways. And then he says, this is what that blessing will be like. It'll be like you eating the fruit of your hands. You'll be What you labor at will be something you enjoy, And what, in in the people that God brings into your life will also be a blessing to you, you know? And I think sometimes we we switch things around, Andrea. and we get things out of of priority, we get it out of whack, and so we put a lot of expectation on God to give us the good things of life, but we're not doing things the way he's prescribed. And so we don't, so, so we either get angry at God or we get frustrated and take matters into our own hands, right? I mean, that's what we see a lot of.
1: I love the, the training verse here in, in Proverbs 22 because training is is something that takes place over time. And so we need to be training our children in the way they should go. And if we're not training, they're going to get that training somewhere else, right? You know, for out there. And I mean, there are a lot of wonderful, you know, teachers and coaches that are out there that are fantastic, but it's it's our calling as mom and dad to be training them in the ways of God. And not just saying do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this, but really showing them who God is and showing them the values. And I love in, in the first scripture David read about our sons, notice it says in their youth will be well-nurtured plants because I think we just accepted that teenagers are just, they're just supposed to be rebellious and just a pain in the, you know. But I believe that our children are supposed to bring us joy, right? It says that the, the, our, our quiver is full, and that the blessings that we've just read, and so in their youth, they can be well nurtured. They can be, they can be poured into, and um, understand sort of who they are, who God has made them to be. They're cherished, they're loved, and 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 pushed along that uh, that path, and being told no, and all the you know the discipline part. But it's it's the it's the character, and it's training our young men to be to be men. I mean, I think that's, that's dad's calling, and for us as moms to train our girls how to be women, to be those pillars carved to adorn a palace, and th- this takes time.
0: It does, and, but it also takes biblical priorities, and one of the things that you see in life observed naturally, and that is that you have to build in a logical order, don't you? I mean, you have to start with the foundation. You don't walk up there and say, okay, I'm going to start with the roof. Well, what do you, how are you going to do that? I mean, you have nothing to put it on. And so we can, we can do that. And then it kind of describes so much of, of our lives is that we do get things out of order, and yet we're, we get caught up in the insanity of it. No one stops you know, and just says, okay, why are things not going the way they should be going? And then here is it. But I want to share with you, this is a pattern for you. This is something that we can follow, that when we uh, align our lives to a biblical priority, then we are going to see the favor of God just be poured out upon us. And it all begins there, of course, with Jesus. When he came, he set, he set it in stone. He, he set it in place in, in Matthew six thirty three, He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you as well. So that's where we're going to start with our priorities right here. We start with God, a relationship with God. And that's a daily personal relationship with God. We were talking with the kids the other day and they were asking me a question about an individual and they said, dad, do you think that they're, they're a Christian? I said, well, son, I, I don't know. I've never heard him make a profession of Christ. I said, but it's interesting because, and I, I tried to lay out for them the difference between a person who is a believer and a person who is a follower, okay? There are people who believe in Jesus and associate with themselves with being a Christian. About 75% of Americans do but when you've only got 17% of Christians who say that they have a biblical worldview, that tells you there are a lot of believers and not a lot of followers. And that's important, because this is gonna be a little scary and a little kinda of throw you into, into a tailspin a little bit, but we know Jesus said, look, he said Satan believes and he knows. Satan is very aware of what the Bible says, and he is a believer in God. He met him face to face. He worshiped him for eons of time before he was cast to the earth because of the pride in his heart. He's a believer. He knows the ways of God, but he's also full of pride and wickedness and is a usurper of the the glory of God. And so believer and follower, that's why this stuff is so important. So when we say seek first the kingdom of God, that's where we start every day. Is relationship with him.
1: And I think our kids see right through us, they know if we're not putting God first. Because we can even say certain things and say the right things and maybe even go to church, but they know if we have not put God first in our lives, made him Lord and sorry I should say savior and Lord yeah. of every part. Is it is it coming out of our mouths? Do they see us reading the word? Do they hear us talking? about his ways. Yeah,
0: and making hard choices. And and that's so true. That's so absolutely true. So if we're only believers, then likely what we're doing is teaching our children to just be believers. But if we're followers, then we'll say, follow me as I follow the Lord. And our children get a better understanding of what it is. They the principles of God that we're learning here today get imprinted on their life through example, not just do as I say, don't do as I do. So let's look at the second thing here is that would be marriage. So a relationship with God. Then our marriage, if we get married, then wow, that's pushed way up to the price. That's, that's second only. And I remember before Andrew and I got married and, and, and we were engaged, I remember I had been so committed to God, I felt like it, I, I, was, I was letting God down by giving into this desire to get married. And I remember almost telling Andrea, you know, honey, I don't know if we can, I can do this. And God just slapped me around that day and he said, David, what are you trying to do here? I'm trying to bless you. I'm trying to exponentially increase your effectiveness for the kingdom of God by bringing you into a team. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. I can get excited about this now. But marriage is a representation of Christ and his church. It's a real, so everything that's going on in our culture and devaluing marriage and redefining marriage, it really, folks, look, if you've bought into that lie, then you are 180 degrees going away from what the Bible teaches. Marriage is sacred to God. It means oneness. And it means something that's very incredibly important and reflective of the heart of God. When, when, when in Ephesians chapter five and Paul says, look, marriage is like, he used, they use marriage to describe our relationship to, to God. That we're the bride of Christ and he's the groom and that day that we come down the aisle and we're presented to Jesus, I mean, why would he use that if it wasn't a very, 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 very sacred illustration and something on the heart of God?
1: And our marriages are like a garden, the picture of a garden. They have to constantly be tended and maintained and, and um, you know, checked to make sure that the weeds aren't growing and that you're not drifting and you haven't, you know, let things get between you. And it's it's really important because life just gets really, really busy as we look at the rest of these priorities. I mean, so many things are going to come before or can try to um, compete with that um, commitment that you have to keeping your marriage solid and staying, you know, in unity.
0: As a Christian, as I go through the rest of these, just understand that every priority has its place, but then every priority is submitted to God. So our marriage submitted to God. Now we're, uh, next is our children, the fruit that is anointed by God to exponentially increase our legacy. That what God has placed in us, we pass on to them, and then they improve upon. So we, we don't put children down at the bottom. We don't make them a hobby. We don't make them a job. And we don't even make them a ministry. And at the same time, we don't also make them God either. Let that sit there for a moment. Okay? Our children know that they have their place. That our commitment and love for God and for one another comes before them. Now let that sit for a moment. The most powerful thing that a parent can do for their children is to show love to their spouse. That is a very, very powerful thing that's taking place there. It is, matter of fact, it is so powerful that psychologists observe it. They know it is a necessary part of nurture. So when we kiss each other in the kitchen and the kids are watching, they go, ooh, that's nasty. Stop doing that. In their hearts, they're going, cool. This is good. This is right. It gives them an understanding of, of the priorities that we hope that they will follow as well. That's so true. Yeah.
1: The best gift you could give your children is a healthy marriage, is a happy marriage, is a committed marriage, as David just said. And I, I think that we get that switched around and we make the kids our top priority. And it's, it's all about them. It's what they want. It's, it's, this, it's a catering thing, and it's, it's, it can be unhealthy. And it's a very insidious, it's a very slow fade, um, but it's something that we should be constantly evaluating. And that's one of my points down here, was that we have to constantly be not only surrendering each of these priorities to God, but also evaluating, re-evaluating. David and I constantly do that. We will reevaluate what is going on. We feel like things are out of whack. And so, you know, making sure that we don't put the kids and their needs and their dreams and their wants and their phones and their baseball teams and all of that, like, that's like more important than you know anything else that that's unhealthy and or even we're our, built.
0: the time you and exactly. I spent together absolutely. the time we spend
1: together, and then we, it becomes a faulty foundation when we're not building on the proper priority. Yeah.
0: and we're going to talk more about this next week as we kind of hone in on that side of it, but ministry then would come next, and people are just like, "Wow, ministry before job. Yeah, absolutely. Now it doesn't mean in the, the amount of time, but it's a matter of heart and the purpose of what God has created you to be. So our purpose in Christ, sharing the gospel, using the gifts for his glory, and multiplying the talents that God has given us. Not you know, necessarily Brian being able to rap as awesome as he did this morning, but other talents that you might have that are for his, you know, that he's putting you for the glory of God. And so, if it, it, so look, notice where it is, that it's, it's down there, that we don't take ministry and make it more important than our children. We don't take ministry and make that more important than our marriage. I can't do that. I mean, for me to make ministry more important than my children and and my wife and my children is to communicate to the church, well, I mean, you lose your message. I mean, Paul made that very, very clear that unless I've got the, you know, that I'm taking care of my family, how can I take care of the family of God? So anyway, and that works for all of us. Then comes job, that's our vocation that we choose to receive God's blessing to carry, the above, carry forward the above priorities. Make sure you understand, look where job falls, by the way. And where, if we put it first and foremost, what it does. Okay, anything that's above God in scripture is called what? That's right, it's called idolatry. And so, in essence, if we put it before God, we are worshiping it. We can, we, can we worship our marriage? Sure, can we worship our children? Absolutely. Can we worship our ministry or our job or even hobbies? Yep, if they're important, more important than God, they are. And then finally, hobbies, the activities we choose to enjoy the life that God has given us, often involving all of the above relationships in some way. And I've just put down the everything else, the things that we enjoy doing. And we've got to be careful of that. We've got to be careful that we don't allow the kind of things that we enjoy doing in life. And I hesitate to mention a lot of things because I don't want to feel like you know, I don't want to see a bunch of elbows thumping everybody out there, you know how that goes. But anyway, you know what your hobbies are, all right? Don't let them become more important than your family. Don't let them become more you know, important than your child. There are, there are ways to make all this work together and still be able to serve God. Can you be on a travel baseball team and God be honored, your marriage be honored, and hobbies be honored? Absolutely. It's just the amount of time you're putting into it and the focus. There are ways to pull it all together. Absolutely. How many times on the road, Andrea, where we might get into a situation where a real uh, character issue has come on the scene? We don't ignore it. You take the time right on the spot, right where you are, to say, okay, look, you've got a bad attitude right now. Or, this is not good. We, we as a family need to suck it up and trust God in this situation. We learn about the kingdom of God. We walk in the ways of God while we're on the road, in the city, in the country, wherever we may be not just here at church, but it's something that we include into all our life. And that's how you keep this priority system in line.
1: Yeah, I definitely think it's as practical as sitting down and writing it out and just communicating. Maybe, you know, the kids like to to hike, and you can decide that the whole family can hike together because your hobbies and things should be things that you can do together. Now, when I was training for my marathon, we couldn't all do that together, but that was just for a season. And, um, you know, sometimes we do things one time we've been there, done that, got the T-shirt, and then we kind of move on because <laughs> it tends to take a lot of time away from the family. But but that's that's the reevaluating part. And um, I, I could definitely, you know, just vouch for the fact that being able to do ministry together as a family has just been such a joy. And I and I know many of you are in that place, and you're, you're ministering together with your family, and your children are seeing you do it. And they, they get so much from that, seeing mom and dad pouring out, in the church or um, wherever it may be. And that, that is what, what um, is really just powerful and what brings such a, uh, a fulfillment and such a, a close-knit um, family is when you can do those things together.
0: Yep. And so faith is not pushed off to just something that we talk about every once in a while or maybe never, but it's something that is actually a part of everything that you do. And what I, one thing I like to tell people is that, look, if, if there is one of those things on the list that doesn't apply, you're not married, okay, just pull it out. If you, and if you've got children in there, well, then they stay in that priority system. You pull marriage and children out, okay, well, there's God, there's ministry and job. See, it, it, it doesn't, it, all you just, if you pull it out, then that's where it still remains the same. There are, no, there are no switchings and switching out and all that. God We seek first the kingdom of God, and God promises that if we seek him first, then the rest of those things God will take care of. Isn't that what his promise is? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be done for you as well. God will care for you. He will make sure those things come into alignment. So, Or, or that they become a blessing, or that you'll be able to move for you. you got concerns? Broken, there, are there broken parts in, in the rest of that, val- in, in those priorities? There might be. There probably is. But God says, bring those to me, and I'll fix them. Okay, so when we get our priorities out of whack, we build our lives and our families on a deformed or faulty foundation. And this is incredibly important, folks. It really describes what we see going around us. Maybe it's something we inherited. Certainly I did in my family. We don't usually see the effects of this for many years. That is the the trick, by the way. Some people say, Well, look, I went to church for two weeks. I didn't see anything happen, so I gave up. I read the Bible once, didn't feel anything magical happened. Moved on. I made a decision not to party on a particular weekend, saw no change. The things of God are like seeds, they're planted and then they grow, they germinate, they grow over time. And anything that's valuable, anything that will bear much fruit, takes time. And we see this naturally, like in investments or anything like that, it takes time. You you want an oak tree that will not be moved? You need about 100 years. If you want that kind of thing, you've got to sow those seeds, you've got to focus on on the foundation. But when we, when we don't build that way, we get a fault. It's like building a house that's askew, and no one notices until it's all finished. We actually experienced that in, in, in the first little house that we, we had built for us. And I remember I made some changes with the, the builder, and we sat down with the blueprints, and I said, you know, I really want to move that wall, and I want to do this. And he's like, okay, you know, do what you want to do. We raised the ceiling. We did a couple other things to this original design. So it was all done, I walked in the house, I looked, and then there was this protrusion sticking out of the wall. And I was like, what the heck is that? And the builder came and he goes, oh yeah, yeah, well when you move that, the staircase came out into the room. I'm like, really? And what was done was done. I mean, it wasn't like I was gonna get a chainsaw up there, mm, cut that thing out, because that would mess up the, <laughs> the stairway, right? What was done was done. I made a decision, and I was going to have to live with it. And it's so true of so many things in our lives that we decide to build a certain way. We make little alterations to avoid the ways of God. Well, God will understand. Or we do this, we do that, and we just kind of bypass. Well, you know, God loves Isn't it all about love anyway? But we violate some of the things that He says, look, listen, my son. And let me show you what is wise. And let me show you what is true and what will affect you. Or it's like a bi- the big winds of, you know, that, that will happen. Uh, or well, I was going to say, sticking with the house analogy, that if it's not built right, big winds of struggle will come and it, it just can't stand. And uh, so families do come in all shapes and sizes, but the priorities and guiding principles stay the same. We may be given more or less of what was intended for a building of family as far as like money and resources and place and position and progeny and all of this. But I'm convinced that if we honor God with what we have, he will bless us mightily. You know, what's that, what's that thing from the movie? One man's trash is another man's potpourri from that movie. <laughs> so very true. You know, if we spend less time comparing our lives to other people and wishing we had what they had or always spending the rest of our life in anger and jealousy, we rob ourselves of the opportunity to have any joy in this life. But if we'll just stop and say, you know what, I like my little life. I like what God has given me. Psalm 139, he says, your boundaries have fallen in pleasant places. You know? And so I will live within those, and if God decides to move those boundaries out, which he often does, when we are faithful to what he's given us, instead of trying to push those boundaries. So anyway, something you want to say with that, Andrea?
1: No, I just wanted to look at the next point. It it talks about how we're created to nurture. And that's for every single one of us in the room, whether um, we have our own children or not. We're called to be that whole concept of, of, multiplying being fruitful that means pouring into people that's what we're called to be amen as as christians to do what jesus did wherever he went he was pouring out he was aware of the need and he was pouring out he was serving he was um he was nurturing so nurturing is feeding helping protecting guiding supporting encouraging loving suffering with oh that's a that's a good one right there (laughs) suffering long with uh disciplining correcting teaching, walking with those God has given to us. And just for Mother's Day today, I just want to say, well done, moms. You're the ones out there nurturing. And we just, David and I just today want to just honor you moms because you you love with an unconditional love. And what you had to go through to have that baby, thank you. And... um the, the, the sleepless nights, and that, that continues, doesn't it? That doesn't just stop after the first year or two. Sleepless nights, and um, that heart that is just an unconditional love. No matter what your kids do, you're there, and you just you love them right where they are. And, and also, a mom's heart is to never give up, amen? When your kids grow up, and they leave, and maybe they're doing stuff that you're like, what? But you never give up. And just know that every prayer counts every prayer god hears and it is never too you know a child is never too far that you cannot continue to cry out to god amen asking and seeking and knocking on the door of heaven and so those prayers god hears them and he's he's holding your tears and he is in control he's a mighty god and he's faithful um so we wanted to thank you for your sacrifice for your service moms you work hard I think, and those moms who have careers outside of their homes, I'm, we're just amazed. You know, you guys are super moms. I see so many of you out there. You, you know, you're working, and then you come home, and you're serving, and you're laboring, and God sees that sacrifice, and he has blessed you, and he's going to continue to bless you. Because you do it as unto him, right? Sometimes the family's not thankful, <laughs> right? <laughs> we don't get the thanks, but necessarily, but God sees it, and he is going to bless your socks off. Um, So as a parent, this never really goes away. It just changes with the maturity of the child until the parent becomes the one in need of nurture. Is that what you meant there? Okay. Um, And that scripture that says, when they are old, they will not depart from truth. This includes loving mutual respect.
0: One of the things I was going to say there, Andrea, was just that when we pour into our children and there's, I mean, obviously the goal is that our children will understand our genuine heart. They go... I go from being the superhero dad to the clay feed dad that they all realize has weakness and, and that. But in time, you, you, become, you become equals, you know, because they're adults, and you're an adult, and you understand life, and they be, the, the tables begin to turn. They're teaching you. Kate is telling me so much. He sat me down the other day and says, Dad, let's talk about the future. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Tell me, son. I mean, this is good. That's what you always intended. That's what you hoped for is that when they become old, as the promise says, I'm much older. And what you hope is, it says, and they will rise up and call you blessed. In other words, that when you've worked on the foundation, they don't become a curse to you, they become a joy to you. They become someone who wants to continue to bless you, even though you become old and cranky and maybe forgot where your shoes were. But they still are there you know, to to. uh be that blessing to us. That's the hope, that's the goal, part of it anyway. We also know that the power of fathers too, but this is not your day guys, it's, <laughs> it's the ladies. And, and we'll have that next month. But ideally we need both. Mm-hmm. Okay, now I am talking about ideally. I do know that our culture as a whole is experiencing a lot of single parenthood. And you know, it, it is what it is. And uh, again, ideally the development of having a mom and a dad there is, is the best. But, you know, so many ladies rise up and they're able to fulfill both of those things. But let me just say, as I've said many, many times before, fathering as a whole can come from so many different places. But ultimately, where does it come from? From our Heavenly Father. He can pour into us. And so, mamas, if you're raising a child by yourself, let me just tell you, the greatest thing you can do for them is not go out and find them a baby daddy. Go find them a relationship with Jesus. So they can connect to their Heavenly Father who will fill them with all the things that they've necessarily may have got, for, not gotten as a result of, of, of the lack of that. I have known so many men that this has been the case. That as they came into a, a living relationship with their Heavenly Father, those things got healed, those, those sins of omission got filled in by the grace and the love and the mercy of God. It can happen. So don't, don't be discouraged. Uh, seek first the kingdom of God God is the ultimate solution all these things other things are all wonderful but ultimately when we are connected to him he takes care of every all of our needs according to his riches and glory as the Bible tells us so there's a temptation Andrea and that is just to wing it and that you know his parents is to, to say look you know I don't need any books I don't need to have Pastor David and Miss Andrea tell me about how to do this thing you know I was raised my way I was raised, and I turned out okay. Well, that's debatable, but anyway, you know. But the temptation is just to kind of do what you saw it was done. But really, that's not the goal. The goal is that every generation, we try to improve upon it in the fear and the admonition of the Lord, that we try to seek out. I mean, my goal is to look at what my parents did and say, okay, I love them, I was for them, but I, these are the things that I want to improve upon. That is a good goal.
1: It requires intentionality, doesn't it? Yep. Intentionality and um, finding those ways that are going to help us build a family that stands the test. And that's, as we've, we've already said, that the foundation is the Word of God. But the next best thing is to be in a body of believers, amen, where we can do this thing together. And we encourage one another. And we give each other great ideas. We spur one another on. And that that is that is so important because I think sometimes we take these things and we just go home and it's like, okay, how am I going to do this? But there is such a, a synergy. There is such a a, um, a power when we're able to come into these doors and talk about these truths and, and, and then also be in relationship. I mean, some of my good friends that are in this church, you know, have, have really been, um, have helped me in so many different ways. And so, that's why it's important for us to to talk about these things to, to to look at the truth and and for it's coming from a heart of love and a heart of grace because we've already said david and i that you know we have not already arrived or anything like that we're just sharing with you what we see in god's word and what has been poured into us and we know many of you have poured many of these concepts and these truths into other people's lives and so we just say amen let's keep let's keep going let's pressing let's keep pressing on because the kids are getting older right I mean they every day that goes by, every hour that goes by they're they're growing and they're becoming more aware of what's out there, more aware of this world and we need to be a, a a bulwark our home needs to be a a refuge amen our home needs to be a haven where they where they know they can come and they can be told the truth and they can trust it because not only is it God's word, but it's because it's what we're living, and even if it means you know, going, especially when it means me going to my kids and saying, you know, when I said that or when I did that, that was wrong. Or when I made that decision, that was wrong. Will you please forgive me? And they see us following Jesus in a real way where the rubber meets the road. So that's why we need the, the body of Christ. Seeing your
0: tears, seeing the hard decisions, seeing it all that they watch you walk through it. And it builds them. It helps them. It encourages them. And that that's the part of it that's that's so good, and then to just fi- finish up on that thought, that the temptation is again just to try to wing it. In other words, and then really, you know, turn to the world, to the great educator. You know, I remember when I first heard that that statement: "It takes a village" in in talking about families. I remember I reacted to that. I was like, you know, no, it doesn't take a village. It takes a family initially, but then in time, I began to realize, well. Let's just adjust, adjust that, because it does take a family first, but it does take the community. It does take us working together, but not at the expense of family. That's all I want to adjust to that, is to say, we got to have family. Let's not give up on family and then just turn to the village. I don't think that's, that's a good idea, and you're going to end up with a lot of village idiots. What we need is family. We need family. We need to restore the foundations and get back to what God has wanted. Now if there is a village, which I believe there is, it's called the church. It's called the church. And so it's funny that, in, that, that so many of the foundational things we've been running from, we run from the church, we run from family, and we run to government, and we run to village, both which are counterfeits to the heart of God, okay? What is in the Bible? So you need to think about that. And Andrew, I'm gonna finish up with this, and, and then we're gonna pray. And I talk about this little truth nugget. that, And so we're going to talk more about the guiding principles of, of working with children. And, and, and really, these things apply to discipleship, by the way. So even if you say, well, my children are all grown up, or I don't have any children, I'm not going to have any children, no biggie. A lot of things we're going to share with you really do work in discipleship relationships as well. They're biblical principles that apply very broadly. But we're going to specifically apply them to discipleship. The, to our relationship with our children as parents. but here's, So here's a truth nugget that I'm going to finish with, and it goes like this. Rules without relationship produces rebellion. A lot of times as Christians, what we find is that we, we get a hold of principle, and we don't take love with that. We don't take relationship. We don't take the time to connect heart to heart. Now, we all understand this to be true. You've all seen it work in the church, on a grand scale. If you try to build a religion without a relationship with Jesus, then all you get is legalism. All you get is a lifeless, dead, uh, you know, mindless people who are driving forward to control and to, to dominate and use hate and, and all of that to, in, in, in judgment to control. Because that's not Jesus. But when you get to know Jesus Christ, you see that what it does is it flows out love and life. And so when it comes to raising our children, there needs to be rules. Isn't that right, Andrea? We have rules. And a lot of these rules are, are, are personal things for our home, but they're also things that we learn as far as the scripture being wisdom, what's good and right and upright and character building. But if you don't establish a relationship with your child, if it's just cold rules, then what will end up is, is it will produce rebellion. The opposite of that would be to produce responsibility. And we're going to talk a lot more about that next week. So I was just going to kind of throw it out there and get you thinking, and, uh, but we'll talk more about it. Any last thoughts, Andrea, that you have? Okay, very good. Well, thank you for joining me again.